Hello, this is episode 351 of the Ripple Psychology Podcast. I'm joined by Una Brown, who is very much one of my tribe. Interestingly, I always know when I've worked with people, when they're going to become a tribe person. And one of the aspects to this, which happened during the week for me again, is that those people bring something to me. Like I bring something to everybody, but so few people actually bring me new things. And I end up having this really beautiful conversation on the beauty of blackness and the person telling me about one of their teachers, which was a name I'd kind of come across in passing. And I realized that I, I probably read one article by the person and I can't pronounce his name at all and I'm not going to try and massacre it. So I'm, I'm you know, I mangled it. I'm, I'm going to put it in the description, but... I realize I probably read one of his essays and there's an entire website of his essays on, on philosophy. And so some of this conversation is going to steer towards that suppression of that black beauty. But interestingly, when myself and Una kind of meet up and start talking, we end up talking about the suppression of the femininity. And that came up in the same conversation too. You know, how, how equally, how those are the two hidden things that we suppress in the world. And I would add sexuality to that as well. Today's a really powerful day. For good and bad, it's St. Bridget's Day in Ireland. It's the start of the Embolic Festival. It's spring. It's fertility. So it's Lofail Buid Shunadweev, is how you say Happy St. Bridget's Day. It's the start of Black History Month, which I have a love-hate relationship with. And it's the day that Tyler, sorry, I'm going to say that again, Tyree Nicholas, no, I'm going to do it again, Tyree Nichols is being laid to rest, which just goes to prove that it's not history, which is part of my love-hate relationship with this. So it's a really big energetic day. There's a lot happening in the world. It's the start of us having a St. Bridget's Festival in Ireland. I'm not going to go into the history of her too much, but she was actually ordained as a bishop. That's the crucial thing you want to need to know. By mistake, she was ordained as a bishop and given far too much power, which is why that power was then taken back from her. And so we've ended up with a new bank holiday festival for the first time in Ireland to honour women, which is huge. I know for Una that when she listened to my suffering podcast in particular that that was a really transforming experience and because I'm so honest and real I've been back in suffering kindergarten for the last three weeks so it's really funny that I recorded a podcast that was really profound for you and I feel like I've regressed like you know probably at least 20 years of my life in the last three weeks so we're going to kind of try and tease that apart because all of those things that I've just mentioned they're actually all connected to it. So tell me about your experience of the Suffering Podcast. Well, I was working at the time in the Solomon Islands, and it was my first time to be able to be there since COVID and all the borders had closed. And it was challenging because everything had regressed so much. But what I didn't realize was that I was making it even more challenging because I was in suffering around it so I was making it personal I was taking it on my shoulders and and so I was like amplifying the the difficulties of it through through suffering 
And then, you know, you said to me one sentence, something like, you know, you do what you love and you just might change the universe or the planet or something like that. <laughs> it might just happen, like, you know. It might just happen. And that just shifted everything in terms of where I was looking at everything from and the level of weight I personally was holding in it, which was hammering me on every level. And, you know, I, could, I couldn't continue like that. I couldn't, you know, it just, it would, would have come to a, an ugly end in terms of my body, my energy, everything. So, yeah, that was such a gift. And um, then I listened to the podcast and it's just where we choose to, to look at everything from, where we choose to navigate it from. But coming from an upbringing in Ireland, suffering and to suffer is a deep code. It's a, it's a suppression. It's a huge suppression to keep us small. Yeah, so one of the aspects is like I, I really can't see myself and you end up translating for me and... I recorded this podcast for my Patreons on like doubts and then I sent you a text message and I sort of said oh well I was really worried that it was too much about me like you know and it wasn't about these bigger topics and like why would anyone want to listen to it and you know you kind of sent it back to me and said well that's just your doubts which was which was quite entertaining like in in how I who I can't see myself like which is so much about what I've been going through and like it's ironic they're like, I mean, holding all these younger versions of myself and how we're expected to be in the world and how we're expected to constantly put ourselves out there, which feels incredibly like this system and this, I, what I've now begun to name as whiteness, you know, this way of moving in the world. There really isn't me. And working with all of these, particularly boys actually at the moment, younger younger masculines that are very quiet but very self-assured. And I think you have a bit of experience with that close to you. Like, they just don't get involved in the drama. And they don't appear to say a lot or bring a lot. But there's such a sense of self and a sense of containment can you talk a little bit about that, like what you see? Yes, they, I do have one very close to me. And if, if humanity and those close to these beings, if they can witness them, it is quite something to see how they navigate life from this place of inner wholeness and observation of the outer and, and navigating that from a place of in our whole wholeness. And so it's not reactive. It's like this, this full container that, that navigates and, and responds when they know they can contribute rather than react or be in the the bouncing kind of, you know, just reactive plugged in to the psyche and everybody just going along on a, a treadmill, really. So they're not plugged into that threadmill. And it's like this deep inner stillness that then just witnesses and responds in a way that contributes. I know, and, and this is the part, like this is why I've been taken back ironically to suffering, is because I end up feeling like I have to step into the world in this way that I, I view as whiteness and I view as the system and I view as school for me, school where I was bullied, where... I really struggle to stay open in myself, you know, 
I just kind of, I just became literally part of the wallpaper to survive the environment rather than sharing so much of myself. I think that was the part that I've learned how to do is how to share my energy and stay so open while still being so still and so quiet and and yet knowing people, you know, very close to me and being very open and very vulnerable with them and, and very honest. And also being vulnerable out in the world when as you said, when it's needed, when I need to respond. Well, one of the things that I, I've, I've witnessed, and this is the part that's so hard, because I spent time working with families, particularly around the masculine, and, and sort of saying, you know, you really need to let them be themselves, and there's nothing wrong with traveling to the world. And actually, the world would be such a beautiful place if we were all let be like this. And then something, you know, there's these moments that you know that are building, because you know something so ugly has to happen for people to start talking again because people had stopped really talking and stopped really engaging and I see like on my social media that white people will only latch in to have certain conversations when they're really ugly and they don't even know why they're why they're drawn to to feel they have to respond at those moments but like this is like looking at Emmett Till again for me it's like looking at that bright light that was just stamped out and there's this horrible moment there's a there's so many horrible moments within this there's the horrible moment that someone you know is only 29 you know and, and hasn't got to 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 experience the fullness of life there's the real horribleness that they they try to escape in this situation out of fear and and it's almost as if that that fear is what's what's crushed them which is just completely unbearable. And then there's a sense that the people who have done this are their own race. And I always say that the hardest thing is to not become how you are treated. And in all of that, what I'm seeing now is that my, my need to put the black voice and the blackness forward is because we need to hear that more. We need for that not to be suppressed in that way. So, you know, we need it. There's such a submission that takes place to survive that we take for granted in that white way. And, and in a way, I can now really relate to that, having worked so much with this, this personality over the last, probably the last two months in particular, holding them. It is a different way to move in the world, which is why I'm so drawn to that the beauty of that blackness and, and that way, what I'm, what I'm so drawn to. But now what I'm seeing is that I've always wanted them to step forward in that beauty rather than in a white way. So it's kind of like to be able to step forward and, and not be crushed, to not to not have these, these lights stamped out. It's just... I think I've like in, in many ways like I've had this parts of this conversation with you in the background. You know, so important, but it's so hard for those around these beings to see them and allow them to be who they are, but they don't conform in any way. So they don't conform in how they learn, they don't conform in how they show up. They seem maybe to be extrovert, but they're actually deeply introvert and they really recharge and nourish their own inner field and, and, and space. And for for the 
the, the being that's close to me, it's taken everything to not protect, but to deeply trust who he is and allow him to be fully that. And every step of the way, I have learned so much. But I, I witness his impact on others, whether it's teachers or because he doesn't show up or conform. And yet he will get the result. He will get a far superior result. And kind of like going, how did that happen? Because he didn't take any of the book. So it's such a precious gift for this way of being in the world. And it needs to be so nurtured by by the parents, by by those around these beings when they're younger so they can fully show up as that. Otherwise, it's a lot of undoing of, of, of programming that is absorbed from the environment as we grow up. That, yeah, that's my I, own. I described that recently to somebody, like the cost in, yes, we can be chameleons and change ourselves and, and, and fit environments. And I... You know, people always comment who who work with me on an individual basis how adaptable I am. I'm really adaptable to matching and meeting everybody. I find that very difficult in a group environment um, because there's so many dynamics and so many games and so many things taking place. And, you know, we talk endlessly about that too, how I predict the outcomes of things at times. And I'm kind of like, could you just surprise me just for once? Like, could you, because it's not play out the way I can see it's going to play out. And you know, but, but on an individual basis, you end up meeting everybody. But that, that comes at a huge cost. And, and the bit for me that's been so, frankly, traumatizing in, in the last couple of weeks is to hold so many beautiful beings, to, to really want them to move through the world, and, and, and also to, to now apply that to the way that I need blackness to move through the world, you know, without being stamped on as a whole, you know, is a different way of moving. And to specifically have held so many young masculine beings and then watch the, the, the cost of being that way in the world, the cost of being that gentle, you know, and, and that difference. Like, it's, 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 it's yeah, it's, it's really knocked me. Like it, I like I won't lie. Like it's, I, I've I've taken so so much true, but yet I, I can understand more and see more of the tr- the truth of stepping back, and the truth of wanting others to step forward in a beauty, not in a in a conformity, and also like my headbutting at times, my my headbutting and my reaction and my stubbornness. And, you know, one of the things I've, I've begun to see is that stubbornness is just a very negative way of looking at authentic. That we're actually, we're actually sort of, we're stubborn to stay true to our truth. And we're called stubborn because we won't conform in the world. How many times have you heard, oh, they're stubborn? Mm-hmm. Well, that comes also back to what you were sharing around, around yeah. suffering. And when we feel things so fully and and know what's possible, it's 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 so hard to detach from that in terms of the human level, which which this strong code is for humanity is to suffer. And, and that that has to be transformed so we can feel what's taking place 
and 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 reach for the next or the possibility in in, in serving that without the without the suffering and the impact that that has. But it it's a it's like a knife edge to walk to keep it to keep it clean, but whilst also still feeling everything so we can serve the change. Right, it's a real knife edge. Yeah, and and sometimes I don't manage it. And and, and and you see that, like, and and you talk about, you know, how you can tell that I'm going through this, that there's a gap to me, and that I completely submerge myself in it, and I'm trying to, like, work my way through to the other side. And, you know, as I, as I recorded for the Patreons podcast, like, it's, it's not empathy, it's, it's, it's quiet, it's listening, and... It's not absorbing emotions, it's actually applying those to your own weaknesses. Like they jar off your own weaknesses in you and, and your own doubts. And then I I can't see myself. And so I need any help outside, a, a mirror outside, to be able to see myself again, especially when you're navigating so much and, and you're feeling so much and you're you're so invested in people. Like some of the people I've met recently, I've known for years. And I'm watching them grow, like, and there's such a difference in, you know, being five and being ten. You know, there's such a difference in being ten and being sixteen. You know, and, and even, like, having met someone who's twenty this month, recently, you know. Um, it's, yeah, it's extraordinary to sit, to sit and watch, watch people grow. But you really, you really want to try and put the tools, and actually it was quite... It was kind of a funny joke, but a joke that I hated. I think it was the New Yorker, actually, that shared it. And it was like, oh, now I know my personality type. I can make excuses for all my bad habits. And I'm kind of like, no. Now you know your personality and you know those, those parts. You know what you need, but you also know what's outside your comfort zone and where you need to push yourself. And, and that's why I always end up having these questions. You know what you need to be the best version of yourself not to show up as the worst of yourself. And so in those moments when I can't conform and I, I end up headbutting, I'm kind of like, okay, well, you know, do, do I need to move here? Or what is the cost of me doing this? Like, if, if I can't conform here, I'm going to suffer. And do, if I suffer, can I really show up as the best of me? So that ends up being the question, which is why I recorded that suffering podcast. And we have to, right? We we can't conform. We just we we, we cannot. No, and, 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 and I can't entertain the games. Especially when I see the same patterns of the same games taking place. Like you call that looping for me. Like if there's anything that like sets me on edge, it's looping. Like it's like yes, can we can we do something different here, please? No, let's do another round. Yeah. So and, it is And we have to be okay with um, people's choices, of course. But it doesn't mean that we have to stay around for the looping. Yeah, and that's something also interesting I've seen because there's a very strong J component in the personality. And I think through working with other other personalities with that J component, that sort of is, is sent to be judging component. I see it as a, a structure. I see that J component for us as being a vision, a constant. If we've got an Achilles heel, it's like living in the future too much rather than for now, and, and I have to be really mindful of that. And, you know, 
But for, for us, that J component is applied to us. It's applied to us staying in our truth. But for other personalities, that aspect is applied to others. There's a sense of controlling others for them to conform to your way. And I, and I see like a lot of that that I navigate within houses. So that, that J is, is superimposed outside of yourself for you to feel good. So that's what I mean by it's not it's not as simple as saying, you know, oh, I know my personality now, I can do whatever I like. It's kind of like, no, you need to realize the impacts of that. Yeah, and it's and it's it's really deep. And if there's any parents listening to this podcast, you know, I can't overemphasize the it's a fine line again, like we're talking about that that knife edge, that sword edge of understanding your children's personalities but not putting them in a box. Because that's what I love about having you in my life, working with you, the, the support you have given hugely to the three unique beings, children that I have. Because we can't put them in a box and it always is constantly changing, but we can deeply, corely understand who they are and support that and protect that so they can learn to navigate the, the, the strengths and the challenges. In, in those personalities and particularly for an INFJ for them to really be the gift they are to humanity they need to be so held not not protected but allowed to explore and discover what that is without the imposing external rule of being a child or a parent-child relationship or any of that it's like you've just got to be so wide open and, and witness them and learn from them and be in awe of them, really. You know, that, that's, that's been my experience. And, and they are so able to navigate and hold themselves, but they need to be allowed to because they're innocent of, of who they are and what they hold and, and their way of navigating that can really help humanity, like you're saying, in terms of how they show up in the world in a new way of, of, of unconditional, yeah, giving, serving. That's a new way of, of being. Yeah, and, and, and each of them that I see has got something to unravel or uncode within their generational pattern. And I always say to people, like, they, they feel kind of marked out, and that always worries me. You know, and I, and I really worry about the one kind of like, you know, it's almost like you're, you're, you're looking for that mark. And if it's not there, you're like, oh, what's going to happen? You know, like it's, it's really difficult when you, when you meet very young ones. And, and I, I never tell the families really, unless I really have to. Like it's, it's this space that eventually it has to become the conversation because they are starting to suffer and they're starting to feel isolated and misunderstood and, and challenged within the world. And that's at that point you start to have a conversation rather than the pressures around, like a bit like what, what you were experiencing in Solomon Island, is that pressure of what you should be doing. Mm. But similarly, yeah. you have to be allowed to develop that sense of self of what you should be doing. People find it a bit strange that I said when I was 10 that I wanted to be doing the work I'm doing now. I didn't know what that looked like, but by 10 I knew that. I, I didn't know what it would be. So can I ask you a question? Yes, <laughs> of course. Because one of the um, 
profound breakthrough. So, you know, I had I had sort of the opposite upbringing in terms of, of not understanding and being in a, a very different kind of environment where my innate um, qualities could really shine. And one of the greatest breakthroughs I had very recently, again, through our conversations and, and a mentoring session with you is when we were talking about belonging. And I, I realized how I don't have that, that, that need to belong but I was conditioned to. And how does that how does that show up in terms of what you how you open this podcast around, you know, moving in, in a black way within the world in terms of belonging? And and that comparison with that the particular personality we're talking about and, and showing up in the world, the the, the, the level of, of belonging and how that is. Yeah, I think Belonging ultimately for me, and this might jar for some people, is actually a form of conditioning. Like, because people will make all sorts of moves and play all sorts of games that they, they're unwritten games that they don't even realize they're doing. And this is why I find group spaces difficult always. And it doesn't matter what the group is, whether it was the theater world or the university world or you know whatever world it was, the students' union world, it didn't matter. I've experienced the same thing everywhere. People will will do whatever it takes to belong, ultimately, which is kind of selling out a part of themselves. And so for us, we never feel like we belong because we never, I always say to people, like one of the, the things, younger versions of myself, I will say to them, have you met lots of parts of yourself and somebody else but never met yourself? And the answer is always yes. So we, we don't meet ourselves when we're younger. It's a really profound moment to meet another one. I know far more many than I should, and what I try to be to them is what I didn't have when I was younger, because I remember that profound moment when I met one when I was 33. You know, So I'd gone through my whole life not belonging, not identifying completely with anybody, thinking there was something wrong with me in doing that, and seeing all these games and technicolor and all these motivations of people all the time and kind of going, why do you have to keep doing that? And I think in terms of um, the, the, that, that beauty of blackness is that the world has tried its best like to, to crush something that moves from a soul level and is so different to that conditioning and that system and that society. So those conditions that a lot of people move in to belong are white conditions, I realize. Like, and I didn't think about that before. I just thought, I thought of them in school, actually. But education is a white system. So everything I've always hated is white, but I didn't identify as it was that. And everything that I found my voice in was black because it wasn't conditioned. It's not, it's it, the, the people who I admire have made it out despite the conditions. And that's a really important thing for me to now realize later on is that my, my heroes have made it out. They've made it out the other side of that conditioning, which is very important because you have to be able to then meet people and say, okay, you haven't made it out. And you have to accept where they are. And you, and you can see the beauty of where they could be if they put down the conditions. I still love that way of describing them, you know, moving from, from the soul. So, yeah, it's so felt when you describe it that way. What about like, um, 
So I totally hear you as well in terms of the, the white conditioning and that the whole structure of the world is is a white structure as we know it now and, and, and the, the core to belong within all of that and the level of freedom when we realize we don't, we don't need to. What about like the, 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 um, the codes inside the system of like tribal belonging and you know those 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 um, innate codes that are built in for survival. I think the way that that I view this, like again, is is back to this space of you just accept where other people need to be. So there, there for me, there are people who need to, need belonging to be in the world to be the best of themselves for for lots of different reasons. And I could break that down to all sorts of personality, or you know, I could I could find ways to explain it to people, you know. And I I often do say to personalities like, you know. You know, for, for extrovert people, like you, you need to be around people. For feeling people, you have a huge need of being with people, which is one of the contradictions of INFJs. Like, because we we actually do need deep, deep soul connections with people in order to function. Anyone that has a feeling component in their personality needs that. And then there are other parts to this that that are more more difficult now because it's like as if you know. Humanity moved on, like from the cave, but it kind of didn't because there are roles for us to play. And like one of the really complicated conversations that's taking place in society is gender freedom because we're trying to move away from roles. But when we lose roles, we actually feel very disjointed and very we find it very difficult and we feel very lost. So there's a lot of very lost teenagers at the moment within that. So we're kind of, we're trying to throw out a lot of um, the structures, you know, really deep ancestral structures within us, live something much freer, but we haven't considered the impacts of that because some people need it and there's nothing wrong with needing it. And, and that's why, you know, I, I talk to, to personalities about what they need to be the best of them. There's nothing wrong with needing to belong. But there's similarly, there's nothing wrong with saying, I don't need to belong. And actually, that belonging comes at a cost for me, a huge cost. And you do end up belonging. You end up belonging in your own tribe that you create. So we're doing the same thing. We're just doing it differently. And, and yes. like, you know, and I will have that, that funny conversation with so many people. I've had it over coffee over the last two months again with people with them going, oh, I can't do family. Like, I can't do shallow conversations. And once you say something deep and you, like, you look like a freak. And, you know, you know we've all been there, you know. And, and you're kind of like, I can only do, have a real conversation with somebody like you. And this is so different. You know, that, that's the conversation that will take place over and over with the people you're close to. So we have, like, we've built our own tribe. It's just got different parameters. Absolutely, yeah. I, I really, and that's so important, right? And I think in your your maybe it was your last podcast you spoke of. We just need to have one or two people who really see us and and, and know us, so that we can fully be, you know, our, ourselves in, in that mirror. How important that is. So I was just thinking as you were speaking, because of the power of really understanding one's. Um, own personality and that's not to google it and go you know do those tests online and get yourself put in a box and because that is more limiting and more damaging 
Yeah, and, and, I, and like now I really feel that that because of the internet, it's really swayed towards certain answers that are not actually accurate. It's not really the work anymore that was actually done by the original people. Um, and it's very tainted, like there's very few articles I will agree with um, okay. and actually think are accurate. So what, how, what would you recommend? I would recommend one people sign up to, to have mentoring with you. <laughs> you can't have a volume of people. I don't do know. You, Actually, one of the things that I yeah, and to your uh, Patreon. Yeah. yeah. So, so, what else would you recommend for people to deeply start navigating that so they can understand more of who they are? And yes, because it's so powerful. Well, well, for me, I think the way that I did this, and you know, like I found it a bit strange when I started working mentoring people in my thirties, you know, and I was mentoring people in my sixties who still didn't really know who they were. I still find that a bit odd, and I still do. And um, you know, how I did it was I when I eventually managed to read books, I found myself within fictional characters, and like I'm I'm drawn to particular books and particular writers. And you start to find yourself. Like I think that's why reading is so important. And there are there are many INFJ writers because we're natural writers. So there are many of them in the world, and they do extraordinary things, you know. And you can, you know. So if you have a writer that you like, recently, like I, I read Still Life, and it's so obvious to me that it's written by an INFJ. Like you know, and it was like so absorbing. And I was simultaneously reading the latest Fanny Flag book. And, you know, there, there are many other people. Like, I, I find it difficult to, like, to name some of them because they haven't been kind of outed as one of them. But, like, so that's why I'm keeping it open. Like, there are, like, it's very clear to me that Octavia Butler is one too. Um, you know, so there are people that you gravitate to, towards. And I think there is huge findings within that. Mm. So it's... um. And then that's why I, I, I gift books to so many people. And it's why I like provide a reading list for every client I work with, for them to find themselves in those books. Mm. I think that's a good wrap-up point. What do you think? Yeah, absolutely. But I just uh, want to express my gratitude to you for your support and where I am in my life versus where I was um even a year ago five years ago 10 years ago and it's it's incredible to benchmark that but your your work how you move the support you offer has been fundamental in 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 where i am so i just want to really offer my gratitude and yeah joy of having you in my life so thank you nisha for what you do for all listeners for all on your patreon for for humanity Thank you. Well, it, it's mutual. Like to be in my tribe, the only simple requirement is that you bring something to me too, and you give to me so much. And and one of the things, as I said, that you most give me is actually the seeing of myself. When when I can't translate that, and I don't know what the hell I'm going through, it's like you are the person who translates the gap for me when I most need it, and I do need it. And I'm very honest about that. So thank you, and thank you for this podcast. Thanks. <laughs> Thank you.